Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's the Nightcap. She loves the Stanley Cup. Hockey man is what I am. Let's go. Listen, listen to what I say. Play that game the Canadian way. Hockey man is what I am. Let's go. It's the Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. There's your dose of a painfully awful Don Cherry rap from about 25 years ago. He's in the news a lot now. He really thrust himself into the middle of the series. He called the Hurricanes a bunch of jerks all season. Um, now the Hurricanes are in the conference finals. He called them front-running fans, which, you know, they kind of are. Not going to lie. And he's also, like, the biggest Bruins bandwagoner. Not bandwagoner. I mean, he coached the team. But he's he's the, he's a flag bearer for the Bruins, essentially. And they're the ones who are playing Carolina in the conference finals. And now they're crushing them. So he's got a... He's right in the middle of this thing. It's been interesting. Uh, Boston, man. I just can't. I can't stand how they just keep walking into these great teams. How are they getting so lucky? It's not luck, I know. But... You're, you grow up a Boston sports fan the same age that I am, and I've got three playoff appearances, five playoff appearances, two years in what? Let's go back. I'm 23 years old. I can probably go back to when I was five or six remembering stuff and remembering watching the Sabres and Bills. That's a good – that's 18 years. That's 36 seasons of Bills and Sabres. And they've won 36 seasons. They've won playoff games in two of them, or playoff series. They've had success in the playoffs in two of 36 seasons. No cup appearances, no championships, and I got Boston fans probably my age walking around with six Super Bowls from the Patriots, and what are the Red Sox up to? Four World Series in that time, three, uh, the Celtics have one, the Bruins have one, and oh, here they come again. Maybe they'll get another one. Just got pesky Carolina in front of them, and then whoever comes out in the West, and there would be another parade for a Boston sports fan. I hate them. I can't stand how that city just has loads and loads and loads of success and then acts like jerks at the same time. Did you see the Brad Marchand play from the other day? Like He just embodies what Boston is to me. Justin Williams skating towards the bench 
to go off for a change. And here comes Brad Marchand with Justin Williams not looking. Cross-checks him up near the throat. And then when Justin Williams gets up and wants to grab him and try to, you know, at least let him know, hey, you are not going to do that. And he gets the penalty. That's just kind of how it goes. And that's kind of just, that embodies what Boston sports is to me. It's just that one play that happened with uh, Williams and Marchand. And uh, I think it was game one. Or maybe it was game two. Yesterday, just a slaughter. 6 nothing by the Bruins. Uh, the Bills made a signing today. Lee Smith is back. Former Bills tight end. Is now a current Bills tight end. And he is like a block sled. I mean, he is just, he's a blocker. I had to look how bad his numbers were in the receiving game, like how bad they actually were. He has less than 400 yards and seven touchdowns in eight seasons. He's essentially an offensive lineman out at tight end. So I'm not really uh, – I'm kind of questioning that signing because I don't know how it, where it leaves you at tight end. Are you going to keep four? Because you know that Tyler Croft's on the team. You signed him to – Pretty sizable money, I would say, for for him and free agency. You drafted Dawson Knox in the third round. He better make the team. He's a third-round pick, so he should be there. That's two. You just signed Lee Smith to a deal that gives him guaranteed money. He should be there, too, as a three. And then there's Jason Kroom sitting there, and I kind of like Jason Kroom last year. He's not going to give you much as a blocker, but I should be able to find that. I shouldn't need that too much. Croft is a good blocker. He should provide me enough in that regard. And to think that I need two guys at tight end that are just basically going to be blockers. I mean, Croft is going to give you more, obviously, than Lee Smith is. But he's not like he's some dynamic pass catcher either. And you better hope Dawson Knox becomes that then because I don't know what you're getting out of tight end. Kroom, I just like the speed and the versatility and the vertical threat that he can possess from the tight end position. I mean, he's not great by any means, but he's good. I think he's good. Maybe he does make the team. We had a texter earlier. Um, I don't. There was no name on it, so I can't give proper credit. But a texter earlier had a thought about. I think it was while Sal was on with um, Chopin the Bulldog. There was. They were going through the tight end position. Like, okay, who makes the team here? And are they going to keep four? Well, they could keep four, but not Pat Demarco. Carry no fullback. It's been done a million times where you just have a tight end, whenever you have a fullback in the game, which isn't that often anyway, you just have Lee Smith do it. Just have him play fullback once in a while. Or have Croft do it. He's athletic enough. So I, I don't know that you need to keep... I wouldn't want them to keep all four of those tight ends, plus Patrick DeMarco as a fullback. I would be intrigued to see uh, if you could go for four tight ends. And if it was, if it's going to be down to Jason Kroom or DeMarco, I would want them to keep Jason Kroom. Fullback's not that important. You can fill that with a tight end. You should be able to. Um, so that's my thought on that. And Lee Smith got me thinking about kind of when he was here, and then, oh, here comes the report that uh, E.J. Manuel is retiring. And he's he's a he's an interesting time as a Bills fan because it wasn't that long. I mean, he only got 14 games in as a Bills starter before he was – or was it, it was less than that, more than that? He, he started that first season – and then he got four games in the next year. And it was that was it. Kyle Orton after that. And he never really reestablished himself. So it's, it's almost interesting how his career fell off. Because even some of the other former Bills, like Trent Edwards hung around as a backup for a good amount of time. JP Lossman 
I mean, he can I is he on a first name basis with Buffalo sports fan? Can I if when I say JP, do you know? I guess Dumont's also in the mix, so maybe I should uh, say Lossman. He hung around for a really long time as a backup. I mean, he was Seattle's backup when Marshawn Lynch had that insane touchdown run against the Saints because I always see him on the sidelines when I watch the highlight. Um, he was on the Dolphins for a while. Like Bills Fitzpatrick was the Bills starter here. He's still going. Manual, it's funny, like all those Bills quarterbacks that kind of hung around as a backup, and Manual just it didn't happen. Not even as a backup. And that just should just really show how bad that draft class was. It's not even about to me the Bills making the pick. Um I mean they th- that's why part of me is very skeptical of Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. Because yes, it all sounds good, it all sounds nice. But there has not been the execution yet. And you can be optimistic the execution is going to come where they're going to be a consistent playoff team and that this is the right head coach and this is the right general manager. But it's hard for me to completely buy into that when your your combined record at this point is worse than what Rex Ryan was in uh, two years. But parts of me are optimistic and they strike me as a tandem that would not draft. like They wouldn't have made the EJ Manuel pick to me. They wouldn't have rushed themselves into, hey, we have to pick a quarterback, so we are going to do that here. Allen, to some extent, was a little bit of that, but to me, the class was so deep and the class was so hyped up and so good that really, as long as you ended up with one of those guys, like that was going to be the right decision, as long as you ended up with one of those guys last season, even if it ended up being Rosen or Lamar Jackson. And I'd like to think that what they have in Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean is not what they had at the time with, I think Buddy Nix would have been at the helm in that draft, where here comes the quarterback class. It's not that good, but we're good. We have to take a quarterback. It's about time. We got to take one. So we're going to take EJ Manuel because we think he's the best of the bunch. And even though we don't think the bunch is very good, we have to take one. So we're going to do it. And the part of me that's optimistic about what McDermott and Bean are is they don't strike me as a tandem that would have done that, that they would have been, or felt like they were forced to make a decision like that. And the Bills did that once upon a time. And Sal tweeted out the careers of that draft class, and it is just so bad. It's so bad. Manuel actually might have the best career of them. It's debatable. They all stink. So Manuel is the first pick, 16th overall. 18 games started, a 6-12 and record, not good. Um, less than 4,000 yards, which is really not good for playing 18 games. 20 touchdowns, 16 interceptions by today's NFL standards. That's not that good. Geno Smith, right after that, he's played 31 games. It's the most in the draft class. A 12-19 and 19 record, also not good. 6,000 yards, a little over 6,000 yards. Again, not good for that amount of games played. 29 touchdowns, 36 interceptions. It's rare you see a quarterback have a season, even a single season Nowadays, where they have more interceptions than touchdowns, Geno's got that in his career. So there's him, Mike Glennon's after that. He hasn't had much of a career at all. Matt Barkley might be the most successful. Fourth-round pick, he's the Bills' backup now. But that's what you get out of that class, backup quarterbacks. Landry Jones is in there. Ryan Nassib never started a game in the NFL. We spent way too much time talking about him in that draft class for him to never start a game in his career. Tyler Wilson... Was a fourth-round pick that year. He didn't even make it out of camp. With then his rookie year, with the Raiders, didn't even make it out of camp. And that's pretty much it for the list. Like you wouldn't have hear, heard of any other guy on there. So um, Manuel always seemed like a good guy. He also the, the one thing 
I remember the first time I think I saw, I really saw Manual. And I think it was probably like a college game. And I just remember the way he released the football. And it just seemed like there was no velocity on the ball coming out of his hands. His arm would move fast, but once the ball left, it was like there was nothing on it. And I know he that was kind of like maybe my eyes deceiving me just because of what his motion was. But the dude seemed like he had no velocity on the football. And I don't know how you're supposed to be a successful NFL quarterback when you've got to throw only touch passes. So I didn't, I never thought he was going to be that good. I thought at best he was going to be an average quarterback in the league, and he fell well short of even those expectations. So wish him the best, but I think it should say something when all the Bills quarterbacks that have come through here as starters at least carved out a nice solid career as a backup, and Manuel couldn't even do that once his uh, time at Buffalo was done. 8030550 is the phone number. We'll get back into Ralph Kruger a little bit when we come back. Jack Michaels, as well as your calls. Jack Michaels, the play-by-play man for the Oilers, was on with Howard and Jeremy. We'll play that back as we roll along. And I want your thoughts on Ralph Kruger, the candidate for the Sabres, because he is got to be the front-runner at this point. I'm not going to do another odds list. A couple people have asked me for that on the text line and on Twitter because I've been putting some, basically, me guessing at what the odds are for Sabres head coach are. And... At this point, I mean, you can only really have two names on the list. Like, what What are the odds? This is a better question. What are the odds that it's not going to be Dave Tippett or Ralph Kruger? Because I don't know who else it would be. Martin's out. Richards is out. I haven't seen anything anywhere or heard anything anywhere that Chris Taylor is even remotely in consideration for this job. Maybe it would be Sheldon Keefe. Because I guess we can't know that he is not the or that he wouldn't take the Sabre job. It seems like it's more speculation on that at this point. So Sheldon Keefe is still an idea that I guess you can't completely rule out, and I love that idea. He was my 1A, 1B um, guy with Ron with uh, Ricard Gronberg, and now that Gronberg's out, I guess Keefe, if you want to say he's still somewhat in the mix, he would be my number one guy, followed by Kruger and Tippett. But I'm glad that I'm even at a point where those are the th- only three names I'm even listing because I like the idea to some extent of all three of those guys. All of them are not your just recycled veteran coach to some extent. I mean, Tippett is that, but he's only had two jobs and he had a long career with both of those teams. So he is kind of a retread, but not to the extent that like a Jacques Martin is, for instance. So I, I like that idea fine. Kruger is different. Kruger is got the NHL experience while also having experience in a different platform. International hockey, the World Cup of hockey, and also being a guy that's I mean, he seems he seems like such a smart guy. You, if I don't think you can be you can't be smart and be on the World Economic Forum. I just don't think that's possible. Plus he took on a completely different sport in soccer and did a pretty damn good job. I mean, Southampton in the Premier League. If you don't know anything about the Premier League, they were a team that was always back and forth getting relegated down a league because they have that in soccer in England. Um, they get relegated all the time. Um, and he he basically made them a constant Premier League team that finished a little bit above like a little bit above average. And that's been on that's kind of been uh like that team has not seen that over in uh, England and he did that despite the fact that it wasn't even his sport. So I'm very intrigued with the idea. Let me know what you think. 8030550 is the phone number. We'll roll along here on the nightcap. Jody Biasi here on WGR.
It's off the Leonard, defended by Simmons. Is this the dagger? Man, isn't Kevin Harlan? Oh, I love Kevin Harlan. He's so good. So good. He actually... I heard an interview with him earlier today. I like that he's... Voice is great. Always brings the energy. Like, that's one thing I always hate about Joe Buck, for instance. Joe Buck, like, the Patriots win the Super Bowl in a game-winning play, and Joe Buck sounds like it's a first down in the second quarter of Week 8. Like, there's just no emotion there. And not only does Kevin Harlan bring you that, not only in the NBA, but in the uh, NFL. But he like he doesn't take himself too seriously. Like He lets the moment breathe. After that call there, where he says Toronto has won, I think it was a minute 39 seconds before he said anything else. Because he let the moment speak for himself, speak for itself. Let the crowd kind of take over. And like that's something like the NBA guys, for instance, like they kind of get that more than the NHL guys. I don't think I have to tell anybody or it's not a shock to anyone that the NBA broadcasts are doing something better than the NHL broadcasts. But I'm watching the NHL playoffs, and it's like Doc Emmerich's making a huge uh, uh, description of what just happened, and the goal horn is kind of overcoming the the fan noise. And then I've got Mike Milbury saying something I'm not I'm never going to remember anyway. He's thro- throwing that in my face. And, like, just there's a overtime goal, NHL, next time that happens – have a quick call and let the moment speak for itself, especially when it's a home, most importantly, when it's a home game. Road game, you don't need to. But when you got that environment like that and you got the crowd making that much noise, you don't need to tune it out for analysis that we can get whenever we want after the play or a goal horn. So, Kevin Harlan's so good, though. Love him on play by play. Uh, in, in case you forgot, like he's also one to fool around. He did a little thing on the Angry Whopper. He uh, It was like a sponsor read, and he took it to heart. And if you didn't hear that a couple days ago, that was really funny. Or if you missed this, I think this was from last season or the year before, he did play-by-play of a guy who ran onto the field of a Rams and 49ers game. And he's like, I'm not going to just let this go and say, oh, the guy's an idiot. He actually, like, he had fun with it, and that's the other part I like about him. He's looking fool around. Here's this call if you don't remember this. Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat and a red shirt. Now he takes off the shirt. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's at the 30. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. Now he runs the opposite way. He runs at the 50. He runs at the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. The 20, they're chasing him. They're not going to get him. Waving his arms, bare-chested. Somebody stop that man. Here comes the blue coat. Oh, they got him. They're coming from the left. Oh, and they tackle him at the 40-yard line. Just so good. Like, how can you not love that guy? He needs to be doing all sports all the time. I would like to see him do hockey. I don't know if he knows anything about the sport or if he's even done it before. I would love to see Kevin Harlan do hockey. Have some of these other guys do it. Mike Tirico did hockey, and he, I thought, did a pretty solid job at it. He did it a couple weeks. It was in the playoffs maybe. Maybe it was the regular season, but I thought Mike Tirico did a fine job. Uh, Kenny Albert's good. Like, I don't need – I you know what I need? When this TV contract runs out with NBC – mercifully, it's going to end in 2021. 
I really need the NHL to not re-up with them. Or if they are going to re-up with NBC, make it so that you're not only on one channel all the time. Because that's one thing every other sport does not do. The NFL is on every sports channel you can think of. CBS, Fox, ESPN, uh, NFL Network. Like, they're NBC. They're on all the channels. NBA. They're on ESPN and they're on TNT. Um, Baseball is all over the place. It's on Fox. It's on ESPN. But yet, the NHL is only on NBC. And it seems like what that has happened is or what that has breeded is complacency by NBC. It's the same studio show, it's the same personalities, it's the same style, it's the same format, year after year after year after year, and if you didn't like it in the first place, it kind of stinks in the first place, plus it's getting stale. So, I don't know, Like it, it's, it kind of breeds competition between the networks. Like I'm watching the TNT inside the NBA show, and they're perfect for a studio show. Perfect. They don't take themselves too seriously, uh, but when they do, it's funny because like Shaq gets up in arms about people questioning his legacy, and they're like super good chemistry between Ernie Johnson and Kenny Smith and Shaq and Charles Barkley. And guess what ESPN's been trying to do for years? Because TNT exists, and because that show is so good, they try to meet the, that bar. They try to meet that standard, and that's why you've seen them change their studio show a lot. It started out a couple years ago on ESPN where like Magic Johnson was actually on their uh, on their thing. And it's taken a completely different turn where now you've got four people on that on that uh, studio show in halftime postgame for ESPN that I'm pretty sure were not there even a couple years ago. And you've got Paul Pierce trying to be a little bit of what Charles Barkley is, like say outlandish things and say bold things. I do think that that's natural for him, but you don't it's not an accident that ESPN sought that out because they see what works on TNT. So you've got TNT raising the bar and ESPN trying to meet it. Whereas I've got over here on the NHL and I've got NBC, they can just keep going along and they don't they're not compete they're not going up against anything with their NHL coverage. So I'm hoping when that contract expires in 2021 that maybe ESPN gets in the mix. They definitely have the format to do it now. They have the platform to do it because ESPN Plus you could put every NHL game on there if you wanted. You could just go to their app and watch the NHL. And they've got more channels than the NBC does. So I don't need them to not be on NBC anymore, but I need the NHL to kind of do better. Because stuff like that, last night, even though that was play-by-play by Kevin Harlan, like you don't see that same type of thinking uh, to me in the NHL. I, they got to raise their game. All right, 803 is the phone number. I promise a little bit more on Ralph Kruger uh, here. And Jack Michaels knows him better than anybody I think we've had maybe on the station today. Jonathan Willis, Oilers, he's super plugged into the Oilers. He was on a show up in the Bulldog. If you want to listen back to that, that's on, on demand at WGR550.com. Uh, but Michaels was like around the team and around Kruger, and he knows him really well. He was on with Howard and Jeremy this morning. So if you don't know a whole lot on Kruger, here is some more. Jack Michaels, Play-by-play for the Oilers. On with Howard and Jeremy earlier today. On uh, our Western Hotline is Edmonton Oilers play-by-play man Jack Michaels, who is back by popular demand. We, you know, we had him on a few a month ago, I think, to talk about Todd McClellan. Now it's another former Edmonton coach who's in the mix with the Sabres, apparently. This time, Ralph Kruger. Something and about going to that Edmonton it's tree, the Edmonton, huh? Well, right. well, it used to be, let's get everybody from Pittsburgh, you know, right? Ken Sawyer, Ted Black, Jason Bottrell, Dan Balsma. Now we're tapping into Edmonton. Jack, nice to have you on again. How are you? 
I'm great, and unfortunately, uh, you know, like uh, those in Buffalo, uh, my summer is only entering month two of of five in terms of looking forward to next season. Yeah. So, uh, this helps bridge the gap a little bit. So you guys are doing me a favor, and I'm going to be in your city in a couple weeks. So I'm looking forward to that. Always enjoy coming to Buffalo for the NHL Combine. I'm from Meadville, Pennsylvania, which is, as you guys know, just south of Erie, so it's pretty close to home. And, uh, you know, we all know of a certain Italian restaurant that you hit when you're in Buffalo, so I'm looking forward to that too. There's been a little bit more movement on Edmonton's offseason. You hire Ken Holland as uh, GM. How has that gone over? It's gone over fairly well. I mean, I, you know, when you look at Ken Holland's resume and, and then the initial impressions he's made in the market, uh, arriving with a, a clearly defined plan. I mean, I know he hasn't hired a head coach, but he was very uh, concise in his comments about, you know, what needs to transpire within his first few weeks here in Edmonton. And I think that, I guess, decisiveness in his first press conference here in Edmonton was impressive to fans because I think, you know, when he was first announced, there was, well, will he have the energy at this stage of his career? Will he have the resolve to take on what many people perceive as uh, a number of different steps that have to happen to return the Oilers into contention? And Ken Holland was, you know, he had done his homework. And, I mean, that should surprise no one considering what he's achieved in his career. And he kind of laid it all out. Uh, he, he immediately said Ken Hitchcock would not be back as head coach. He said there would be changes to his staff. Uh, and he didn't really hide behind the fact that there was, that this was going to be uh, an arduous task and one that would require um, some significant change. And that, I think impress the folks here in Edmonton who've been calling that for that for some time now. You know what? Actually, before we get to Kruger, let me ask you about Dave Tippett because he is a guy that the Sabers talk to. So his name's been mentioned with this job, but his his name has also come up with the Edmonton job. Uh, what about Tippett, or what are you hearing about where the Oilers might go for their next head coach? Well, what Ken Allen said. The other thing that I, again impressed me in terms of being willing to say it is he said. Look, the reason I'm here is the Oilers went out and got a guy with experience, you know, a veteran guy who's been there before, who uh, understands what it takes to, you know, take on a bit of a rebuild to uh, replace certain pieces that, you know, need to be replaced. And, you know, I'll be looking for the same in a head coach, which to me uh, indicates he's not going to be looking at a first-time head coach. And, you know, there's, there's obviously connections there with Dave Tippett. Uh, there would theoretically be connections to Dan Bilesma, considering he was an assistant in Detroit. But, you know, I haven't heard much about Dave Tippett, other than the fact that I think you'd agree with me, gentlemen, when you start connecting the dots that he's been heard from with respect to this job, when he's been heard from with respect to the job in western New York, that tells me that Seattle has given him some indication that he's not going to be the head coach coming out of the gates in Seattle as originally thought. I think, you know, two or three months ago, there was a bit of a concession that, that Dave Tippett might be the man coming out of Seattle. Uh, for his name to be out there, I, I don't think is by accident. And I do think Dave wants to return to the game again as a head coach. And, 
you know, if you put two and two together, there's been obviously some indication from the Seattle group that Dave Tippett is not going to be the head coach in Seattle, Washington. Jack, when it comes to Kruger and his time at Edmonton, it's not a large body of work. He, he has the job as head coach for, the, for one lockout-shortened season, and he was an associate coach for two years. Bigger, Big picture, including the time when he was working for Rennie, what did you think of Kruger, generally speaking? Well, he was one of those guys, and we've all met them, that you know had a certain relentless enthusiasm and effervescence. He was almost like a, a Gary Carter in a suit behind a hockey bench. And you know, initially, with those type of people, at least my indication is to look for signs that this is somehow insincere. And Ralph, more than anyone else in my life, convinced me by the end of his time here that this was no act. This was a guy who literally sought to get the most out of every day he lived. I mean, he's, you know, on the World Economic Forum. I mean, he's a guy with other interests beyond hockey, but it does not compromise anything he does in the game of hockey. I mean, he just is one of those guys that I'm telling you, if he if he sleeps four hours a day, I'd be I'd be shocked. <laughs> he just he just attacks every day, and and instead of you know again the initial inclination is to somehow find a way to denigrate a guy like that, you eventually come away impressed and almost admiring and and somewhat a little jealous of you know, geez, I wish. I was able to get that much out of every day of my life instead of, you know, maybe sitting there like a bump on a log and watching sports for six hours. I mean, that's not what this guy is going to bring to any job he takes. And you mentioned it, lockout shortened campaign. He didn't have a training camp here. Uh, he inherited a club that was riddled with holes, especially on the defensive side of the puck. And with 10 games to play, 12 games to play, excuse me, uh, the Oilers were in a playoff spot, and they they dropped ten of twelve and and fell out of it, and it ultimately, uh, you know, along with apparently a, a stunningly good uh, interview that Dallas Aikens had in connection with being Ralph's associate coach. That's the thing people forget is Dallas Aikens when he interviewed with Edmonton, he was interviewing for an assistant job under Ralph Kruger, not the head coaching job. Ralph hadn't been dismissed by that. But Dallas Aikens apparently, you know, through the course of his job interview, impressed the Edmonton Brass to the degree where all of a sudden they started thinking, well, maybe we want this guy as our head coach. And in retrospect, that turned out to be a pretty significant mistake. I'm sure you guys saw the article recently where Dallas Aikens said, you know, I – "Quote unquote," bleeped it up when I came to Edmonton. I, you know, and and Ralph Kruger didn't really get a shot here. Uh, and I, I think the fact that the club was in playoff contention, and admittedly in a, a lockout shortened campaign, there's no way to tell uh, whether or not that club would have plummeted uh, to significant depths had there been an 82 game campaign that season. But I, I think, considering without a training camp. Uh, he did an admirable job, and I would certainly, you know, if you're a, a full-time professor, you would grade that as an incomplete, not a failure here in Edmonton, because I don't think we really uh, had any indication of what Ralph Kruger could do 
with an actual full season and a full year to reach his charges as the head coach rather than just being the go-between, the associate that he was under Tom Rennie. All right, on that note, I'm up against the break, but let me squeeze in a real quick one here. The last question would be, again, based on a short season, what do you think his strengths were or can be as a head coach? Reaching the younger players. And, again, Edmondson is much like Buffalo in that way in that for seemingly years now – the most talented players on the roster have been the younger players. Look at Nail Yakupov's numbers under Ralph Kruger. I mean, he was, a, he was a legitimate NHL player under Ralph Kruger, and he had a couple of big games at the end of the year that kind of pumped up his numbers a little bit. But Nail Yakupov was a guy that Ralph Kruger was getting something out of. Uh, you know, Justin Schultz was a player that Ralph Kruger was getting something out of. And those players spiraled a downhill quickly under Dallas Akins and eventually had to leave Edmonton and Schultz has gone on to flourish and in Pittsburgh Nail went back to the KHL but we'll never know how he might have developed under Ralph Kruger I, I felt his communication especially with the younger players was superb Jack thanks again thank you for giving us your time on the show Absolutely. Always a pleasure. And again, looking forward to coming to your area here in a couple weeks for the combine. Enjoy your time here. There is Jack Michaels with Howard and Jeremy earlier today, right here on our station. A lot of Ralph Kruger talk today, and uh, I'm hoping that this is the last guy that we're going to have to talk about. We've gone through a bunch. Um, Todd McClellan started it off. We've had Chris Taylor talk. Uh, Who else? We've had a bunch. Jacques Martin, which was just the, just the worst possible idea. Ricard Gronberg, who even came on our station himself. And uh, now we're at Ralph Kruger. Todd Richards, too, a little bit uh, in between. Now we're at Ralph Kruger and Dave Tippett as well. So there's there's been a bunch of names, but it's been a pretty quiet coach search. C- certainly different than last time. Like We all pretty much knew, I think, who like who the main candidates were right away. We didn't have a guy seriously coming into the mix a month in. Like that that didn't happen last time. It was Housley and we thought it was Rick Tockett that proved to be false and Jacques Martin. Like that was it. And that was always going to be it. Um now it, like this has been all over the place and it's keeping it's got to keep your uh, attention I guess for uh for the coach search at some point. It's also keeping your mind off. Maybe Bottrell's doing this on purpose and if he is, evil genius, Jason Bottrell. If he did this on purpose, I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm not thinking he did, to kind of draw out the coach search to put the Jeff Skinner conversation on the back burner, make everyone forget a little bit that we've got our leading goal scorers contract expiring in less than two months, then he did a pretty good job because it's amazing that it's May 13th and your only 40 goal scorer in a decade is unsigned and no one's talking about it. None of us. No one's thinking about it. There isn't any. We're not asking. Elliot Friedman was on with the instigators today for 30 minutes, and I'm pretty sure they didn't ask one Jeff Skinner question. We'll get there for sure, because that is the next thing. After they hire a coach, the next thing is, are you going to re-sign Jeff Skinner? And if you're not, what are you doing to try to replace that? We'll get into that a little bit more before we get out of here. Some NBA talk as well. Uh, Game of Thrones as well. Spoiler alerts ahead. i got to get my thoughts on last night's episode. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi here on WGR.
I mean, you know you're not, you you know you guys ain't, aren't going to championship, bro. We have the the team. <laughs> we have capabilities. Anything is possible. We can win a championship, bro. I mean, let's be honest, bro. We can win a championship. Anything is possible. I just need. I need more. I mean, I like y'all. I like the two. I like y'all too. You're hard to stop, but I mean, come on. So if you don't know what that is, that is straight from C.J. McCollum of the Portland Trailblazers podcast called Pull Up. It's actually a super good podcast. I'm not a big podcast listener, but that's one of the ones I got uh, to subscribe to. That's him with Kevin Durant from this past summer before the season. That's Durant saying, kind of joking, like laughing at him, thinking he can win a championship. And it's funny how those two teams are playing in the Western Conference Finals. Durant probably will not be playing in the first two games, the first for sure, um, and he's unlikely to play in the second DeMarcus Cousins might return in the series. He's going to be cleared for contact this week, so the Warriors might be getting full strength here uh, just in time. They've, they've, I mean, even if they're not playing, they're the favorites to win the title. All this nonsense about them being depleted without Kevin Durant, he made them unbeatable. They were already the best team in the league. They were almost unbeatable. He just made them, like, sufficiently un- unbeatable. So take him away, and they're still a heavy favorite in my mind to win the title. So that's going to be interesting. That starts tomorrow night at 9 o'clock. Um, I've got a thought on Game of Thrones. So spoiler alert here. If you haven't seen the episode yet, first of all, you've had 24 hours, and it's a TV show. So you probably haven't escaped this far anyway. But here's your spoiler alert just in case. you got to turn me off. Friday, by the way, our last show before the – finale i want to spend a lot of time on it take your calls on it uh what you think is going to happen how would you thought of the season so far and uh, we'll talk some ufc on friday too I'm, ex- I'm excited for friday's show because that's going to rochester on saturday i may or may not be going to that but at, at the most i'll be uh or at the least i'll be watching it as the ufc comes to rochester on saturday with a pretty good headliner by the way i'm not really too familiar with any of the other fights but the headliner is good uh for the rochester event so you've had ample time If you didn't think Daenerys was turning mad, you're, you, you were off your rocker. You weren't paying attention. You were blind. They've been setting it up. And they've been setting it up subtly for years. They've been throwing it in your face this entire season. Her run-ins with Sansa and her kind of disobe- going against Jon Snow's word to like go after uh, uh, the White Walkers. Like, she's been giving signs this entire season that she's trending towards that and they were trying to make her into a villain. Now, the one thing I've been frustrated with this entire season of Game of Thrones, to be honest, they the whole thing's rushed. The whole thing's rushed. And it's because they only have six episodes. When I saw that story today that HBO offered to the creators of Game of Thrones to, ex- to make the season longer with more episodes and they turned HBO down, that had me scratching my head and really... You know, being kind of disappointed that we didn't get more. Because everything seems rushed this season. They've made... And isn't it frustrating? Like, I get the reaction to last night's episode. Where Daenerys goes full-on Mad Queen. But... Like, first of all, I expected it. But I also... I don't think you can blame them for, in that moment, making her the Mad Queen. And going full in that direction. But you also are... You have a right to feel frustrated. Because... Even though it's a TV show, like it kind of sucks when you spend seven seasons rooting for a character, loving a character, um, 
being along with her on her journey. Like you're there every step of the way watching and all of a sudden eight and a half seasons in, I got to flip a switch and suddenly she's pure evil. Like that kind of, I, I get the frustration on that part of it. Especially since like Tom Sitch had a hilarious tweet last night, former producer here at WGR, that everyone that named their dogs or their children Khaleesi, like it kind of stinks now, right? Like that you, I'm you're probably hoping you can change that name, but yeah, I, I get the frustration, but you should have seen it coming. Um, the season's been okay, it's been good, but like I said, it, it felt rushed, and I just wish they would have done more episodes. One more episode. Can't wait for it on Sunday. We'll talk more about that probably much, much later in the week. Like I said, probably on Friday. Don't want to spend too much time on that, considering it is a sports station. I get that. Sabres coach search continues. Hopefully we'll have a candidate or we'll have a hire by the end of the week. Elliot Friedman said we could expect to know what's going to happen with Kruger middle to the end of the week, so I'm hoping that happens. Um, the Bills are going to kind of enter a dry period here as rookie minicamp is over and they've made some roster moves. So it'll be lots of Sabres uh, for the rest of the week. We'll have NHL playoffs, by the way, tomorrow, Wednesday, and Thursday. So if you're looking for some NHL play-by-play for the playoffs, we will have that and bring it to you here on WGR throughout the week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Catch the whole show on demand at WGR550.com. Stay tuned. I got my podcast. It'll be coming out tomorrow. Finally got the mics figured out. I had to get some new ones. I had to get some things uh, in order, so I had to postpone the first episode a week. But it looks like we are good to go for tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. I'll be tweeting out details, and I'll be announcing details uh, when I get on the air tomorrow. Thanks, everybody, for listening. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi. Have a good night. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.